This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. G'day guys, welcome to Awesome Humans. I'm your host, Brett McCallum, and we're here to bring you the biggest, brightest humans we can off this amazing planet of ours. Today's awesome human is Adam Houlihan, who is a renowned LinkedIn expert. He's one of Australia's leading experts on this platform and has written three Amazon best-selling books similar to this topic, including Social Media, Secret Source, Influencer, and the LinkedIn Playbook. Adam is also a well-known keynote speaker who has spoken at many national and international events. He speaks about the topic of LinkedIn and gives strategies for individuals and businesses on how to make their LinkedIn extremely successful. Adam also speaks for Speakers for Good through the partnership at Buy One, Give One, a movement where businesses work to create a world that is big on giving. Oh, I love that. To bring it all together, Adam is the CEO of Prominence Global, who strive to make a meaningful change throughout the world of, with entrepreneurs. Welcome to Awesome Humans, Adam. How are you, buddy? Brett, uh, fantastic to be with you and fighting fit. Fighting fit, mate. You're looking healthy. Mate, uh, I've been on a bit of a journey the last, uh, oh, since January 1. Gave oh. up gave up alcohol, uh, decided to do this crazy program called 75 Hard. Don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's nuts. And uh, 75 days, training twice a day, eating right, and uh, yeah, feeling fantastic. So were you a big drinker before that? Uh, big enough. Big enough that I decided it was time to give it away, and uh, and uh, you know, forty odd years of uh, of it was uh, it just uh, it was time to make a bit of a big change. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, just made the made the big decision to give it away, and uh, never never felt better. So you've noticed the difference then? Ah, oh, it's been unbelievable. Really? Oh man, we'll go into that shortly. That'll be awesome. Hey, the way I always love to start my podcast is to go all the way back to the start. What I what I like to ask people: What's your first ever memory? How far back do you reckon you can go? Jeez, that's uh, that's going back. I'm f- nearly 57, so it's going back a long, long way now. <laughs> but uh, I, you know what? I remember uh, I was born. I was actually, for, you know, for someone who's 57 and say you were born on the Gold Coast is quite rare. Wow. And Proper uh, local. Yeah. So I was actually born here, uh, but my parents did move down to like Sydney, Newcastle area when I was about five, but I remember younger than that, uh, and uh, we had a we had a house at uh, Coolangatta, and my parents had a house there. My dad was a sign writer, and I remember this time, just uh, he was, uh, and that was back in the days where sign writers actually, you know, signs. actually write signs <laughs> uh, with a paintbrush and, yeah. and all that stuff, and uh, I remember uh, he was painting a, a sign on the side of a car uh, on Coolangatta Beach, and I was sitting there playing with, uh, do you know what a Tonka truck is? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. So I was sitting there playing with a Tonka truck while my dad was painting, uh, sign writing this car. And I must have been, I reckon I, I couldn't have been more than two or three. So there you go. Isn't it amazing how far your mind can take you back? Yeah. So that's 55 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what the sign said? Nah, no idea. No <laughs> I idea. I knew I was pushing it there. Mate, do I know what a Tonka truck is? Last week I took my two young lads and we we're looking at some garage sale or something. And this dude had these Tonka trucks for sale. And I'm sitting there going, boys, look at this. Remember, they're going, what's that, Dad? <laughs> so now, this is the best toy ever invented. Yeah, where's the on button? What, what do we do with that? You push it around, you put dirt in it, you tip it, and they go, oh, okay then. <laughs> it was like just a completely different world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Amazing. Is. Mate, the other thing I like to ask people before we get into it is, what's your best ever Adam Houlihan story? What's your go-to? What's the one you tell people? Yeah, I suppose uh, the one that I tell the most is is because everyone always asks, you know, how did I get into this this uh, thing with LinkedIn? And uh, it actually started about ten years ago. And uh, I, you know, people are often surprised. You know, I say that, um, you know, back then I actually knew nothing about social media. Did not one thing. I didn't I, I probably had a link? Uh, sorry, a Facebook account like everyone did. Yep. Uh, and I religiously checked in on it like once every month or so. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I always had my own businesses. And then I started out. I actually for the first time in my life, I actually worked for someone else. And I'd sold a 
previous business that I had, uh, and uh, and I had a new, actually a new wife, new baby, and uh, you know, I was just like, you know, one of those big pivot times in, yeah, yeah. in your life and I thought you know I'm just gonna um I'm not gonna go back into business I'm gonna just chill out with Julie it's like this was like I said I was gonna have six months off and uh I was gonna um uh, just spend three months with Julie before she had the baby three months after it help her out and uh and then see just See what with the universe. Nice husband, yeah, man. I know. And uh, getting the brownie points in. I did, and the uh, and the crazy part was though, I you know I didn't make it to to even three months. It, uh, <laughs> oh, actually, I did. I made it to the three months, but I was batshit bored. Just you know, couldn't kind of deal with it. And uh, Julie is my wife. Um, she you know younger days used to be a model, and we went and um, put uh, Tyler, who's our you know at that time newborn. Yeah. Into an agency to do some, uh, you know, baby modelling because yep. it was all Julie's thing, and and we're at this agency and we're signing signing Tyler up, and someone came up to me and said, "Oh, you uh, you interested in doing any movie work?" And I said, "No, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> why?" And uh, they said, "Oh, we're we're actually filming this um, on the uh, Gold Coast at the moment at Movie World, and uh, Gary Sweet." And I, was like, I don't know again, yeah, do you Gary, remember Gary Sweet, Sweet? Yeah, great said, actor. Uh, yeah, Gary Gary Sweet's one. Of the main actors, it was a movie called uh, you know, back again, the kid stuff, Narnia Voyage yeah, yeah. of the Dawn Treader. And he was one of the main characters, and they said, Oh, we actually need a body double, and you were the spitting image of him. Yeah, you do look a bit uh, Gary Swedish. Yeah, and uh, we got the same haircut and hairstylist <laughs> as you can tell. And uh, so, oh, well, yeah, look, uh, and they said, Look, we've only got about a month or so left of shooting, it's just a short term thing. Ah, oh, why not give it a go? And uh, so, anyway, I ended up the next day on this movie set, uh, sort of. Uh, uh, filming this, you know, this hundred million dollar <laughs> movie, and uh, very quickly decided movies were definitely not for me. As uh, I hated it, it was like you actually had to work. Why it, did you hate it? Ah, oh, they were long days, a crazy yeah, day. Yeah. Like it's like 15, 16 hours a day, and and fourteen of those hours you sit around doing nothing. Yeah. it's just crazy. And uh, anyway, I, I finished the contract, and uh, but I, the you know the uh, the crazy part of the world, I met the, these people who said. Hey, we've got this company and, uh, you know, we need someone to come and give us a hand with some, um, you know, marketing and whatever, and would you be interested? And anyway, I ended up uh, working for this company. I ended up actually taking over and running the actual company and um, did that for about seven years. But in the um, in that uh, first stage, the uh, and this is where the LinkedIn part comes in, is that uh, I was researching around the world what other companies similar to them were doing and why, you know, some companies were killing it and others were not. And by the way, this company was pretty pretty good at what they do. They, you know, sort of had uh, made organic skincare products. Yep. And uh, we're exporting to about 65 countries around the world every week. So they weren't a lightweight. And uh, But what it turned out was that all these companies around the world that were really doing well just were really good early adopters of social media. Yeah. And uh, that just piqued my interest on, oh, this you know this social media thing as a business application. Okay, now I'm interested. Uh, and I'm still ne- – I'm, I'm probably the most unsociable social media person <laughs> in the world. And uh, so I hate social media as a social tool, but I love it as a business, as a business tool. tool yeah. And uh, so the more and more I kind of dived into that, the more I just kind of resonated with LinkedIn, the more I kind of, you know, and as you know, LinkedIn is not an easy platform. Most people mm. don't get it. And uh, that's never changed. And uh, But I just, for some reason, I just did. I just got it. I understood it. And um, and so I just really dived into it deep. I, you know, because I was kind of running this reasonably sized company, uh, you know, if I kind of bring people around the world and say, hey, can I buy an hour of your time and I'm happy to pay you to just have a chat, you know, you could pretty much talk to anyone. And yeah. uh, and so all the, the social media influences of the day, you know, I was able to have conversations with them and, you know, just pick their brains. And at that time, I didn't still had no idea that I was going to ever do anything in LinkedIn. Anyway, it got to a point where, you know, as I said, I'd always run my own businesses and I'd kind of got to a point where I just uh, said, well, I really want to get back to, to that. I'm, I'm sort of building someone else's dream and it's not my it's not my gig. And uh, so I decided to just go out as a consultant just on my own and just help a few people, you know, do something on LinkedIn. And uh, uh, that was seven years ago. Yeah. And here we are today. We're, we're kind of a global company. We've got a team of 18 people around the world, a global client base. And, and yeah, life's pretty different. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
And the, the fact that it all come from because you got bored on a movie set is even yeah, funnier. That's it. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Mate, well, let's go back to the start. You were born on the Gold Coast at Gold Coast Hospital? Uh, well, actually, well, technically we lived on the Gold Coast for some reason. My mum got transferred, so I was actually born in the Brisbane Hospital. Okay. Uh, but we lived on the Gold Coast, so I was literally up the, like there to, for that uh, that day. The, the day. The day. And Come came, home. came back home. But uh, So I still call myself a, you know, a Gold, a Gold Coast born and bred. So so what? Uh, where was your first school? Was that on the Gold Coast or was that when you moved down to Sydney? No, my parents moved when I was five. So uh, it was in, uh, in uh, Sydney. And uh, I don't actually recall. I, remember, I can actually vis- vividly remember the the uh, the school, yeah. But I can't recall the uh, the name of it. Uh, and then very quickly after what that, what area was that in? Uh, we was we were actually staying. We were only in Sydney for. A, um, my parents had decided that they wanted to go into hotels, running mm-hmm. and buying hotels. And so my mum and dad were in Sydney doing a you know, some sort of hotel course, and uh, we were staying with some friends who were going to. Um, be partners with my parents. Yep. And so we were only there for a fairly short time, then moved and they bought their first hotel in uh, Musselbrook, of oh, all nice. places. Okay. Oh, sorry, on the Newcastle area, just past yeah, the Central Coast there? Yeah, it's about two hours west of Newcastle, yep. I think. And uh, so it was called the Royal Hotel. And uh, so that's that's my first memory of a school was at the, the uh, Musselbrook State School. And what year were you in then? Um, well, pretty much... Uh, year one or year two? Yeah, then, right? exactly, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So how long did you last in Musselbrook? Uh, I think uh, I think we were there for uh, two or three years. Yeah. And then uh, for some reason, my uh, parents decided they, they were going to sell the... Well, actually, well, I actually know what it was. The, the, their partners, uh, who were a couple, they separated and, and as the, you know, all that crazy stuff decided the easiest thing was just to sell the hotel. They took, you know, their money and mum and dad took theirs. And then we ended up in uh, an amazing place, which were actually, actually where I grew up was in um, Nelson Bay. In, Love uh, Nelson's Bay. Uh, at the, uh, have you been there? Yeah, mate, okay. I grew up at the entrance. Oh, okay. On the so, Central Coast. So all right. Nelson's Bay, Port Stevens, yeah, all that yeah. beautiful part so, of it. So you know the Seabreeze Hotel in yeah, Nelson Bay? Yeah, I do Bay. know the Seabreeze right? Hotel. I, I grew up in the Seabreeze Hotel. Oh, wow, there you go. Yeah. So it's a beautiful part of the world. Though. Yeah, it is. It's and stunning. it was different back then. Has changed a little bit because obviously it's got a lot more commercialised. Yeah, but, but back then it was amazing. It was just this little sleepy, you know. You know well, it's like part... a country town on the water. It was, <laughs> and uh, I pretty much did most of my school. We we ended up in Newcastle itself for two years, uh, another hotel. And, so mum and dad were pretty entrepreneurial. Yeah, is that where you get it from Eric. Yeah, I think so because um, we ended up. Um, my mum. I remember at one stage, um, my mum ended up having a restaurant in Nelson Bay, which was also the only nightclub in Nelson Bay turned into. <laughs> uh, and my dad had another one in Newcastle. So he was commuting back and forward every day and mum had another place in, in there. And then uh, my dad opened a fish shop in Nelson Bay and it was just like uh, just this one business after another. But um, the majority of the, and this I pretty much did my whole schooling in uh, Nelson Bay. How uh, was it growing up with Parents, uh, entrepreneurial parents. It was just, uh, it was kind of normal to me. I suppose you didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. But you know what was really weird, Brett, is that... I always, every night, I went to a restaurant for dinner. Yeah. And uh, that was normal to me. And so, you know, you have mates come over and stay the night yeah. and that's when you're at school. And so I'd have mates come over and say, oh, come on, we're going to go down to the restaurant. I could ride my bike from our house to the to where mum's restaurant was. And so we're going to go and get dinner. And they were, like, blown away that, you know, you they were going to go to this restaurant. And, <laughs> and I was blown away when I actually got to have a home-cooked meal. Yeah. Like, so for me, it was really cool to go to their place and their mum would, you know, make it. cook on that. An actual meal, <laughs> and uh, you know, to, normal to me was to walk into the kitchen and ask, the, you know, with a menu and ask the chefs, and oh, I'll have the, you know, whatever <laughs> cordon bleu today or whatever. That that was normal to me. So, so uh, what sort of kid were you at school? Were you like a, a, a good kid, a bad kid, a jock, a nerd? Uh, well, let's just say I ended up getting uh, expelled from from school. Asked to leave, we like. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Asked to yeah, <laughs> the, asked to leave in year twelve. Of wow. all places. So, so I never actually. Finished For high what? school. What'd you do? Uh, you know, it was a procession of things. It wasn't I, just I, the one. Nah, it, it wasn't like uh, I'd like to say that you know I was hard done by, but uh, <laughs> the the reality is I I, I deserved it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a rat bag at school, to be honest. So. Uh, and I, have you ever gone back and apologised to the teachers? 
No, because, you know... Here's your um, big chance. Come on. No. If you had to, which one of those teachers would you apologise to? No, I actually wouldn't apologise to any of them. (laughs) Though I remember the one I really... But the funny part, Brett, is that... The, you know, like the like the issue with the uh, been on the movie set and yeah, yeah. You know, where that went. Uh, there's this one teacher at that school. Her name was Mrs. Baker. I remember her really, really well. And and uh, you know, we we just did not get on. But uh, but she was an economics teacher, which was kind of my my subject I loved. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I it was because of her that I got expelled. Not really. That was the. That was you know, because of you let's just you say this. Let's just say, say it was the straw that broke the camel's back was was uh, me refusing to do a test because uh, I hadn't been at school all week, uh, and that was the catalyst of it. But I remember when I was walking out of the school and she said, uh, she said, you know, you you're just never going to amount to anything because you you know you're just a you're just a shit of a kid and and uh, really vented on me and. Uh, she actually has been the motivation to, to you know, like I said, I've, I think this is my sixth business that I've, yep. I've owned. And every time every one of those have been quite, you know, somewhat successful, I'm just, Miss Baker. <laughs> Mate, it is so true. I've um, I've got the exact same story, but I didn't get expelled. I don't know how I didn't get expelled. But anyway, there was a, um, a teacher who was our year master. He actually came up to me and said, did you know you will never amount to anything? You're a complete waste of space. And I don't understand why you even bother coming into school. There you go. And so, he's my year master. Yeah. But uh, did that give you some motivation? To... Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievably. I actually, um, in the book that I wrote, I actually I dedicated it to him at the start. And there's a, um, a Robbie Williams poem that he wrote. And uh, it goes along the lines of, hey, sir, remember me. I'm the one who you thought would never actually come to anything. And he goes through this whole long thing. And at the end he goes, anyway, sir, here I sit in first class. You can kiss my ass. <laughs> and uh, it just it's one of those things that uh, has always resonated with me because I've always got, I know I can see his face. I can see him saying it to me, all that motivates the shit out of me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hilarious how that's the same. I'm an entrepreneur like you are, mate, and we have a crack at things and own businesses and stuff like that, and it's just interesting that there's that one person. And you've got to remember that, that those people in our lives actually had a uh, monumental effect on hundreds of kids. Yeah. Like you and I see it now and go, yeah, let's go. How many kids have they like actually affected to Absolutely. the other way, to the negative, that actually went, your shit, you're never going to amount to anything, and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're probably the lucky few that... Uh, Mate, there wouldn't be many that actually had a crack at it. No, uh, and I don't get me started on, on the schooling system. I, I mean, we've got five kids now, and uh, they've all been to private schools here on the Gold Coast, but, uh, you, know, I, uh, you know, I often tell the teachers that, you know, your job is just to make sure they can read and they and they can write and that they can socialise. I'll actually take care of their real education once they leave. And, 100%. Uh, and uh, th- that doesn't go over too well <laughs> quite often. I always often, get but... told by my wife, no, stop, don't say anything, don't, shut up. <laughs> it's like one of that. I, mean, I agree 100%. The education system's broken, needs to be completely overhauled and needs to be fixed. And the only way to do that is to start from scratch. There is no reason why people should sit in lines like they did in the 19th and learn the same curriculum that they learned in the 1920s and still do it now. No, and I think there's, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called the Green School, it's in Bali, and uh, it's one of the most amazing schools that uh, I wish that they were here in yep. Australia, but uh, very, very different approach, you know, very entrepreneurial, um, you know, kind of play to kids' strengths, and, and you know, if you think about it, what oh, as I said, don't get me started on this. But... Mate, there is one on the Gold Coast, it's called Silkwood. Oh, yeah. Silkwood, yeah. It used to be a cult, that's what I used to call it, because <laughs> it was uh, some weird school. But it got um, – it's an amazing school. It's run by entrepreneurs. Um, I'm trying to remember her name. She's 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 the, the one that owns it and she's the CEO. And they've just got another um, facility at Rabina they're about to open. Okay. And, mate, the way they educate their kids is exactly the way I would educate my kids. They actually have entrepreneurial ideas from prep and they take kids through the journey of actual life as opposed to anything else. And, um, yeah, amazing people. And uh, it's the only school I actually ever would 
probably want to go to if I ever went to school again, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Not now. But, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the, uh, the whole schooling system's just completely broken. And, you know, something's, something's got to change, yeah. but, um, you know, I won't hold my breath on... It's got to be less political and more actual thinking about the, the little humans that they're actually having a, an effect on. Yeah. So we get kicked out in year 12. What mum and dad say? Uh, yeah, it's obviously not impressed, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, mum and dad, you know, and I think it's probably the same for all kids, that uh, they had a, their vision of what life, my life was going to be like, which was go to uni and, uh, you know, become a, a doctor or lawyer or whatever. Uh, they, they weren't too, ki- too concerned what I did as long as I went to uni and, and uh, you know, because they'd never had the opportunity to go to university and and uh, they could afford to send me to university and here I was, had no interest in, <laughs> in even going to university. So it broke my mum's heart a little bit, I think, but... Uh, 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 and I just I ended up um, so yeah just when I left school was just working for my mum and dad in in their restaurants and things like that, and uh, and then uh, then I actually decided to leave Nelson Bay because as you know fantastic place awesome place to grow up but yep. not a not a place you wanted at back then that you wanted to stay and you know and this is I was twenty one when I left uh, Nelson Bay so I, I was pretty much eighteen when I left school so I spent about three years there working. In my parents, you know, restaurants and pubs and stuff, and then just went, you know what, it's just time for something different. And that's when I actually moved to the Gold Coast. I, I just come came, back home. Come back, back home. All started. Yeah, just like up and left, so 21, no job, nowhere to live, nothing, and uh, landed back here and went, yep, okay, this is where I'm gonna, this is where I'm gonna kick off from. And so, at 21 years old, you've rocked up with a suitcase and gone, okay, let's go. What'd you do? So I ended up getting a job at a, um, a health ret- retreat of all places. It was run by um, a guy named Brendan Edwards. Mm-hmm. He used to be, I don't know if you know AFL too well, but he, yeah. he used to be a bit of a, a staff for Hawthorne. Yep. And uh, he started this health retreat at uh, Main Beach, right on right on the beach at Main Beach, and uh, ended up working for Brendan for a little while. Uh, and just pretty much, you know, would take you know, people there on for a healthy holiday, so uh, if there's such a thing. And uh, so, yeah, we, we'd take them out for rides on the beach. We had a whole bunch of bikes. We'd, you know, low tide go for rides on the beach and play beach volleyball and, and uh, just, you know, basically hang out. And, Every 21-year-old's Yeah, dream exactly. Job, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And were you single at this time or did you have a lady? No, I was very deliberately single. Yeah, it, uh, especially when you're at a health retreat and you're 21 years old. Yeah, no we, let's not go, you know, let's not go <laughs> R-rated on the whole thing, but uh, it was not a time to have a girlfriend, let's, yeah. let's just say. And uh and then uh, then I actually ended up uh, going down to uh, it's still there it's called Beach House at Coolangatta, mm-hmm. which is a timeshare resort. But the same thing they had like an activities department and I used to take you know all the guests out uh, water skiing and and uh, horse riding and playing golf and so still I was living the dream as you yeah, said yeah. for uh, for a while until I was twenty four. And I actually developed would you believe it I developed an allergy to sunlight. Because wow. um, I spent so much time out in the sun, yeah. and uh, uh, they said, "Well, you know, you kind of got to get out of the sun a bit." And um, and so uh, I sort of turned my passion at that time, which was water skiing, into a business. And uh, uh, you know, funny thing, I was down skiing uh, with a bunch of mates, not not working. I was you know, just sort of on a Sunday, and I was oh, sorry, not Saturday. I didn't work on Saturdays, and. Uh, then there's this, I don't know if you know Tim Bolgum at all, yep. but yeah, so there's this pub across the road. So we used to always ski there and then uh, we'd go to the pub and then uh, we came back up. We all lived sort of up on the Gold Coast and uh, went out for the night. And one of the guys that I was skiing with, uh, he said, oh, what do you reckon? We should open a water ski shop. And I said, yeah, it's a bloody great idea with, you know, 27 beers under my belt. <laughs> and uh, next week later, he rang me up and he said, well, what do you reckon? I said, uh, what do you reckon about what? <laughs> he said, well, the idea we had of opening a ski shop. And I went, you serious? And he said, yep. So anyway, we ended up. That's what we did. We we opened the the first water ski shop on. The, well, actually, it was the second. There was a, there was a little one here, and uh, so we ended up opening a, a ski shop, and that was my first business at twenty four. A water what was it called? Ski Works. Oh, there you go. It's seventy six Marine Parade Southport. So, and what? Uh... 
How did it go when you first opened the doors? Yeah, well, uh, again, interestingly enough, we we opened a water ski shop uh, at the start of summer, and it was actually I know the the, the date because it was my mum's birthday, so it was the eighteenth of March. So actually, uh, not not too long ago from today, and uh, you know, which is kind of the end of this. The you know, you kind of coming out of the the water ski, the ski season, season, yeah. And um, uh, I went up to Brisbane, and there's a number of uh, snow ski shops in Brisbane, and and uh, I said, hey, guys, any guys think you'd like to have a, an, a second outlet on the Gold Coast? And uh, so I got this water ski shop, dead in the summer. Uh, sorry, dead in the winter. Uh, how about you stock it full of your stuff and, you know, we'll run it. We'll just split the profit 50-50. And uh, which I thought there was three shops, three at the ski, snow ski shops in Brisbane at the time. I thought one of the three will probably say yeah, yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, which they did. And awesome. um, so, so we kind of kicked off with uh, you know a whole range of snow snow gear. We did that for a few years, like a partnership with the yep. guys in Brisbane. And then the guy that owned it, he he was selling the business, and he said, "Look, why don't you guys just do it on your own? You don't need us." And and uh, you know, I'll show you who you know where all the suppliers are and stuff like that. So, so we ended up yeah doing it ourselves. And we all, all of a sudden we had this business that was booming all year round. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was we ended up with uh, we ended up with three shops. We we had two in Brisbane um, over you know over about a fourteen year period. Ended up having the one on the Gold Coast and two others in Brisbane as well. So yeah, it was pretty. So cool. what ended that? So it was fourteen years, and during that fourteen years, you're still single, or you're now starting? No, to... no. First had got uh, had my first marriage. Yeah. Um, and uh, what ended not the marriage, but the uh, the love affair with the ski shops was um, I just got bored. I just uh, just fell out of love with doing it every day. And um, I, I used to travel to the US all the time, like twice a year. I used to go over to a lot of trade shows there. We used mm-hmm. to import a lot of our own water ski gear and snow ski gear. And, and um, I met a guy in uh, Florida who was an Australian that I knew, and he was running a business over there called Tiger Boats, which is a, a wakeboard yep. company. And I said to Brett, um, he's named, yeah, Brett as well. And, Must be a good bloke. Yeah, he is. And uh, <laughs> Brett Thurley. And uh, I said, hey, Brett, why don't, you, why don't you have Tiger in Australia, given that, you know, you're, you're Australian? And, and he said, oh, mate, no one thinks they can sell them in Australia. And uh, going back you know, at the time, uh, you know, most Australian ski boats were, you know, really small, Tiny thing. These things were like uh, like limousines on water. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the I remember the very first one we brought into Australia was sixty five thousand Australian dollars. By the time we you know did all the conversion and got it here, and most Australian boats that we were competing against were like twenty five or th- maybe thirty thousand if yeah. you pimped the heck out of it. So we were more than double the price of you know every other boat on the market. So you know it wasn't wasn't a an easy easy thing to convince people of to start with but we ended up building that up to we're pretty much number two in australia in, wow. the, in that industry and um that's why you still got the ski shops well i had to start I, at the start i had that and i had my i had a business partner at that time in the ski shops um and uh, i said mate i i kind of over this yeah i want to i want to sort of sell out of this and do this stuff i'm doing on the sideline with tiger and uh uh Chris didn't want to sell, but he said, well, look, we've got three shops. I'd like to downsize and go back to just one. How about we sell two of them? I'll keep one and, you know, we'll, you know, split up the money and you do what you want to do and I'll keep doing what I want to do. I said, yep, no worries. So we, that's what we did. And then so I started doing Tiger, uh, the the boats, and Chris kept, you know, kept one of the shops in Brisbane. And, uh, yeah, that uh, that kicked off, you know, business number two. So business number two was importing and selling boats. Yeah. Yes, yeah, very, very expensive um, yeah. ski boats or wakeboard boats, really. But um, and you know, wakeboarding was just really just hitting its straps at that point in time. So it was uh, it turned out to be you know an inspired move when everyone in the in the boating industry said I was crazy, and uh, and then we ended up actually manufacturing them here in Australia and under license. So so we then went to from importing to um, actually uh, manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, gold. Coast is, you know, what I thought, you know, it's a bit of a mecca for, for you know, boat building. It's yeah, yeah. obviously in the right place to do it. It didn't turn out to be that way. Uh, the <laughs> reality kicked reality in. Reality kicked in that it was a very, very cutthroat industry and, uh, and and retaining good people was very, very hard. And uh, so anyway, we, we ended up... Uh, 
doing a full three or well, one eighty, and uh, went back to we moved everything back to the uh, the main factory in in Texas, and continued to import. And when you um, say we in that, that business, was that just you? Was that you and your missus at the time? Was that no, another partner? No, I had uh, so I had had a couple of partners in in the uh, when it was just the direct importing. It was just me. When I went to the manufacturing, we had to set up a whole manufacturing yeah. plant and whatever. I, I took on some partners to to do that with. Um, and we had an alliance with Riviera at the time, so um, so we had a lot of help from Riviera. And uh, so no, there was there was a few of us in it mm-hmm. at the time. And that's actually about the time when uh, my first marriage ended. So uh, of course, you know, as you know, or I hope you don't know, but no, uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> um, no, one lucky a, man. Good for you. Uh, so that was a time to sell everything off and split it up. And um, and did you have kids with the first name? Yeah. Yeah, had two, two, or still do, two, two, yeah. um, son and daughter. Yeah. And, um, and uh, Lockie, my son, he actually works with me in the in the uh, Prominence Global now, which awesome. is really cool. But uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, selling everything off and um, the partners, did, they didn't want to sell the business. So they said, well, we'll buy you out, uh, but can you... Stay on as the CEO for you know a, a year or two until yeah. we kind of sort things out, which I did. And then it was time. By well, then, I'd met Julie and as my current wife, and uh, we decided to uh, rush a blood to the head and have another child. Considering <laughs> I had two, she had two from a previous marriage, yeah. and you know Tyler makes five, and uh, so that was. And that's when I kind of decided to leave Tiger. So you know, as I said, you had this new baby and yeah. Um, and you became a movie star. Yeah, yeah, movie star for one month. And, so uh, when you when you um and we the, as I say, there's no rules in this podcast at all. But when when you split up from your first wife and with the kids and stuff like that, did that affect your business as well? Uh, like, do you think it like because obviously it affects you mentally and does all that does, sort of stuff. Yeah, and does. then you've got to deal with like the whole splitting up and the kids and all that. So, like it's I don't wish on anyone. But did it affect your business brain? Uh, look, I have to say yes because to yeah, bring negativity in, yeah, head. yeah, and um, I, I tell you that one of the one of the most amazing pieces of advice that I got in that process was from a psychologist who my first wife insisted that I go and see because she thought I was going crazy because I actually wanted to leave a marriage. But um, but the um, this guy he was really cool and he said, look, uh, he said Adam. This is a rough journey, it's, and it's it's not a it's not a short one. It, you know, it takes it's a good year of your life. And uh, I said the best advice I can give you. He said, by the way, you're completely sane. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, uh, so thanks for that. Uh, he said, however, what I I highly recommend. He said, so have you got any spare offices in your building where you where you work? And I said, yeah, we have got a few. And he said, well, okay. Just work on the divorce stuff for one hour a day, but in another office. Don't do it in your main office. Don't do it at home. Uh, have it just a completely separated area. The divorce room. The div- yeah, that's what we called it. It was the divorce room. And uh, he said, just separate it from the rest of your life. No, it's part of the journey. You've you got to go through it. There's no no two ways about that. But just separate it so that it's it's got its own little decarp, you know, it's sort of de compartmentalized and he said just do your shit you got to do in there once you know once a day whatever amount of time you think but an hour would be probably enough and the rest of your life is just your normal you know your normal work life your normal home life and and just don't mix the two together and you'll get through it fine and and actually it was actually incredibly good advice and i've actually shared that with a a few friends who have yeah. gone through divorces as well, and uh, they all said the same. You know, it really what made a great a idea, though. Yeah, well, because it's... it does. It is all encompassing. It does take over people's lives completely. Mm. And then there's obviously a lot of anger. There's every emotion you can possibly think of during that process, and to actually then lock that in your room—that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, and of course, you know, by the end of that journey, I'd met. Julie is my current wife. So, so that, how did you meet Julie? Tell me the Julie story. Yeah, funny. We uh, the uh, her two kids um, and my two, you know, were went to the same kindy together. Oh, okay. And for, before school, 
And um, so I kind of knew who she was through yeah. that. But, um, you know, obviously uh, my first wife mainly managed all that stuff. And uh, then she'd separated from her husband. And as you do, you have the kids every second weekend. And uh, so anyway, this one weekend I was at, uh, took my kids to Movie World. And Julie had her two there. And the two, and she's got a Lachlan and we've got a Lachlan. So we had two Lockies and the two boys remembered each other from Oh, from Kinder, Yeah, so they're yeah. Both, both now in different schools. So yeah. her two boys were at Somerset and, and Lockie was at uh, TSS. Yeah. And uh, and I had a daughter, older daughter, Britt, was at St Hilda's. But uh, the two Lockies remembered each other from, you know, uh, a, from when they were little. When they were little. Oh, and, wow. uh, so they ran up to each other and said hello. And and uh, so we ended up hanging out together at Movie World for the day and uh, decided that that was, that was pretty cool, that uh, the kids loved that. And um, and we made a, you know, sort of a play date to yeah. do it again in a few weeks' time. And, uh, yeah, the, the rest is history. And then the play dates got... Yeah, better and better, and but, then then you uh, and then you got married. Yep, yep, and then so, decided to have another child. So. Tell, tell me how you got married. Did you get in on one knee? What'd you do? Ah, uh, you know what? It's uh, that's 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 not a cool story. But not uh, a cool story. I uh, we were up in Hamilton Island, and uh, sounds we, good so far. So, so far, and uh, we were there with another couple who were friends of ours. Just holiday, you know, just having you know, a good time up there and, uh, you know, drinking game started as they do and, uh, and uh, I don't know, we uh, uh, somehow in the middle of that I asked her to marry me and uh, I, at least I did remember it the next day. Did so she? She did. Oh, uh, very of course she did. She, did. <laughs> she sobered up very quickly. Yes, and, uh, and so we ended up getting, not, not then, but we ended up getting married on Hamilton Island on the beach up there. Beautiful you know, spot. Sort of six or eight months later, so. And what did the kids think of all that? Yeah, so they were all there. The, yeah. So we had all four of them, and um, they they thought it was all pretty cool. It was, oh, that's good. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. And then we decided to have another one. Mm. So how old were you when you had your little baby? So, uh, so Tyler's she's eleven now, and I'm fifty seven. So forty six. Forty six. Yeah. Forty six. Come on, honey, let's have a kid. Yeah, <laughs> the other kids are all growing up. Let's yeah, go. That's right. So, so the the next youngest from Tyler was. Ten years older than her, and uh, uh, so well, actually, uh, Britt, my daughter's the older. She's twenty-seven this year, and Tyler's eleven. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was uh, Julie's ten years younger than me, so you know, she was only like thirty-five. Or, yeah. So by the time you know she got pregnant, so which was okay for her, but um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, I, I resisted it for a couple of years, yeah. and, uh, and then uh, she wore me down. And, yeah. Just, uh, now I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, of course. Not mate, it's one of the best things ever, and obviously, and what, what did the kids all think when you had this little baby? Yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been good, bad, and ugly, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, there was. You know, it's, it was. It was kind of. Uh, it was interesting. Let's just say, yeah. uh, because yeah, there was yeah, there was kind of this dynamic where there was you know Julie had you know her two boys, kids, her and kids. The, yeah, you have yeah. that sort of thing in the blended marriages, and there was time you spent together. And kind of everything was equal, and then there's all this. All of a sudden, there's this little one who's kind of actually connected to the both of us. Yeah. And uh, and you know, the as I said the the boys at the time were sort of around the nine ten years old. Britt was about four five years older, but um, so there was just this yeah very interesting kind of dynamic for for a while there. That uh, uh, yeah, look, I have to say blended blended families are not easy. So no, of course. Not my, but at the same time, you make it work. So yeah. it's it's that simple. Love love wins in the end, doesn't it? That's it. And uh, and the fact now you've got five kids. Yeah. But you never thought that was going to happen when you're working in a restaurant in the middle of Nelson's Bay. No, no. You, you, know, you have that uh, idea of what <laughs> you know, life was going to be like. It was like two kids, one boy, one girl, and I actually had that. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Don't know how we ended up where we did, but uh, it was a good journey. <laughs> so... We're now moving on in our career, right? And you're sitting there and, and, and you told me the story earlier about when the movie and then looking at, at social media and LinkedIn and all that sort of stuff. So six businesses in total that you've owned. Is this the one? Uh, Where you are right now, sat here. Yeah. You've got your prominent shirt on. I love the fact, I love the logo with the little in, like the LinkedIn thing. That's pretty clever. But 
Is this it? Is this, is this, do you think now, and obviously Microsoft took over LinkedIn, uh, what, two, three years ago now, and um, that didn't have the effect that everyone thought it would, but do you think this is it? Do you think this is the, this is the big baby? This is the, the, the one that's going to make you put you through to retirement i believe it is and but the the thing is that uh set it up very differently so right from day one i i set it up so you know before covid was even a thing that uh that our whole team would work remotely so we had no we never had offices we never um you know had uh, anything that had to tie me to any location uh, and our plan was that by now we would be living six months of the year overseas and six months back here you know on the gold coast almost living a perpetual summer mm-hmm. and uh we were going to uh, the first we already planned out three years. It was the first year we're going to live in Dubai for six months, then come back and then to Singapore and back and then to Hawaii and back. And, um, of course, those plans all changed with, you know, COVID and whatever. But the the point was it was always designed to be a lifestyle business that I could, you know, sort of live and work from anywhere. Yep. Uh, and that we'd build a team that, uh, you know, so really now I actually don't have a, a day-to-day role in the, in the business. Uh, we have... You know, coaches that deliver all the programs. We have sales team. We have video production and um, you know the marketing team and uh, support team in the Philippines. The whole thing. And uh, so, when you say, "Is this one going to take me to the end?" Yes, it will. But I, I see a point where I won't be the the figure. I won't be the one that's you know sort of the day to day operational part. Not very far from from today. I'll, you know, I still plan that um, you know someone else will run it. And, yep. Um, um, my role is pretty much to do what we're doing today. Is uh, up and again, you know, up until COVID hit, I was probably overseas about a week of every month, yeah. uh, speaking at some conference somewhere in the world. And it's just kind of nice that everyone wants to put conferences on in cool places, so like <laughs> Thailand and Bali and Singapore and Even Hawaii. Nice they want to fly you there. To yeah, they want to. They want to fly you there and say, "Look, we'll pay your accommodation and and or you know, pay you to be there." And it's uh, so now, of course, I do most of it virtually. Yeah. So like we're doing, you know, we're well, we're actually in a, a room, believe it or not, yeah, today. No, face to face. Most of the time, highly it's just unusual. highly unusual. But normally, I'd probably do three of these a week. Okay. And, um, but they're all obviously on Zoom or somewhere around the world and uh you know when the you know i'm I'm sure covid will kind of settle down not this year i've already made the decision i'm not doing any travel this year again yeah i was uh, in a meeting yesterday with uh the chairman of star entertainment and he was saying that they're currently planning for no tourists until july 22 yeah that wouldn't surprise me so so so, and that's because they believe that then the vaccinations will be rolled out all the other Mm. stuff will start to happen but my belief is that COVID twenty one will be out by then. So it could be. Um, yeah, that, that's what's going to. What's his way? That, we need to get used to the new normal, don't we? Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, so yeah, look, you know, it's kind of fluid at the moment how how that'll all play out. But um, I'd still like to go back to you know, living half the year overseas and yeah, half the year here, mate. and um, especially in Hawaii. Yeah. So you've got kids from eleven to twenty seven. If I asked your 11-year-old, what's dad do, what does she say? Yeah, and, of course, she gets asked that. And uh, <laughs> I love these answers. It's, all, it's always cool, isn't it? And uh, she says, oh, he just, he just sits in his, on his computer in his office all day. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's about uh, – because I work from home. I've always worked from home. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as this business goes. So she's used to, you know, that I don't, like, go to work and yeah. come back every day. I'm always there sort of thing other than when I was travelling. So, uh, and, well, and in fairness, you know, she would – she's – Pretty well-travelled kid. She, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, actually probably three years ago now, but um, and uh, I'd been to this conference in uh, Hawaii, and then uh, about three a uh, month later, I had another one in Singapore, and her and Julie came on both of those with me. And then uh, I got asked to come to another one in, in Bali about two months later and I said, hey, Tiles, um, uh, do you want to come to you want to come to Bali? You've got, uh, got to go for a trip there. And she's going, oh, Dad, I've already been overseas twice this year. 
can I just stay home with Nan Nan? I was like, what? That's unbelievable. Yeah, and she's like all of eight at the time. And she well, she wouldn't come. She flat out refused. She really? Said, she said, nah, you go with, you You and mum go and I'm staying home with Nan Nan. I'm, I'm sick of planes. And uh, so, so yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's a funny kid. And what about your 27-year-old? What would she say you do? Um, well, she lives in she she's got her own place now. She lives in Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, and um, we don't actually, you know, have a great relationship to be yeah. honest. And uh, so we don't talk a lot. And um, so she knows what she knows what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we don't really. I have a magnificent relationship with my son, obviously because he works in the business. Yeah. And um, and Julie's two boys sort of live still live with us. Um, and uh, of course Tyler. So so yeah, Brit's uh. Brit's, Brit's a bit of a, a rogue in the, you know. 27-year-old woman, mate. Yes. Making yeah. her way in the world. Yeah, That's so, what that is. Yeah, she's, she's doing well. She was working with Flight Centre until the whole COVID thing yeah. hit and um, obviously lost her job in that and uh, and she's kind of on her own journey now. But uh, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you don't have an amazing relationship with her. But And obviously, Lockie, you know, if, I, if you ask, he knows what I do because yeah, he, yeah. he does work but with But would us. they treat you as a, like, would they say dad's an entrepreneur or would they say dad's a... A speaker, or would they say dad runs a LinkedIn business? Yeah, I uh, that probably never use the term entrepreneur because yeah. I, I actually don't use it. But um, the, the they they probably say yeah, run a LinkedIn business now. Yeah, the older ones would. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How what people think and how they perceive about what people do. I, I just find it intriguing that like you, I've got kids from eleven through eighteen, and. Like my eleven-year-old, every time I travel, how was your holiday, Dad? Yeah, <laughs> mate, I've been working eighteen hours a day. Oh, I know. <laughs> I haven't actually had a holiday yet. That's where we're going next week. It's like, but it's quite funny because they just sort of perceive stuff differently than than what others do, and that's, yeah. uh, I find it very intriguing on uh, on that side of things. But mate, that's life for you, isn't it? You can't do much more and uh, than what you do. The way I love to finish my podcast is ask some quick questions. You ready? Here we go. What's your greatest achievement in life? Uh, marrying Julie. Who's the person who's had the most influence on your career? I'm going to say Mrs. Baker back in school. Ah, stuff you, Mrs. <laughs> Baker. Favourite food? Uh, Japanese. Favourite song? Uh, that's a that's a fluid one. It's a, it's it's constantly changing, but right now it's um it's called Bring Sally Up. Bring Sally Up. Who sings that? Sally Up. It's actually called Sally Up. It's actually um it's again it's it's um if if you just Google it. Sally Up. Yeah, Sally Up. That. And there's a uh, it's a challenge you do. You got to you got to uh, do push ups to the the Sally Up song. So. <laughs> Favorite place in the world. Oh, I've got a few, but uh, I'd have to say Singapore. Last but not least, tell me what you're doing. What's the 75-day, what is it, challenge? 75 hard. 75 yeah. hard. Tell, yeah. Talk me through it. It's. Uh, I've actually just finished it about a week ago. Okay. Um, but it was 75 days. You, you can't have any alcohol. Uh, you got to follow some sort of a eating plan. Uh, you got is to, a specific one, or you can no anyone you like, yep. as long as you you follow something. Uh, I was doing the, or still am, the 16-8. So yep. Uh, fasting. Fasting. Love it. And uh, so like a 80 days straight on that now. And uh, you got to do two uh, training sessions a day, two 45-minute training sessions every day. Uh, one of them has to be outside. Uh, and then you've got to drink a gallon of water. It's an American program, yeah. so I think that's like four litres. Um, and you've got to do 10 minutes of reading of some sort of, not you know, like a, a business book or self-development book or something like that. So that's okay. pretty much that's it. It's just something to stimulate your brain. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't sound that much until you do it for 75 days straight, and it's, uh, it's super. And if you miss one thing anywhere in the journey, day 73, you miss the 10-minute reading, you go back to zero and start day one again so wow and did you have to start again no no i uh i never cheated on the whole and you it's all on an app so you, yeah. it's all tracked on an app and um uh so no no i i got through it and then there's a phase two and three and four which i'm, I'm sort of just starting so what did you did you lose a lot of weight uh, i've probably lost about uh 12 kilos so far okay uh but uh 
I'm a goal. Up. Yeah, definitely. And uh, but my goal is actually to lose twenty kilos. I was um, I was one hundred and three kilos at the time, which was mm-hmm. just nuts for me. And uh, I had one of those um, body mass, you know, those um, yeah, scans yeah. you have. Um, and they said, you know, an ideal weight for me was around the 80, 82, somewhere around there. Uh-huh. So, so basically, you had to have to lose. 20 kilos, so I got a, a mission to do that by just a personal mission yeah. to do it by May 31st. Just picked a date. Okay. The reason it was that was just yeah, a good light weight loss is about a you know a kilo a week, and from January one to May 31, 20 weeks, 20 odd weeks, and so uh, I'm on track. Do you feel you've achieved something ridiculous by doing that, or do you feel it's changed your life? It's uh, it's actually set as it's not. Uh, it's not actually designed as a weight loss challenge. No, it's designed as a, a, it's a, it's a mental it's a, thing. As yeah, well, it's a it? mindset challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then the, the weight loss is just the you know the trade off of it. And uh, so, I think for one, yeah, it definitely has changed my life. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. So, you know, I'm definitely not going to. I originally thought I was, I'll just stop alcohol, do the 75 days, but I said oh, I'm going to make a commitment to not have any alcohol for 90 days, which is till the you know five days from now. Um, but I pretty much decided to just, yeah, just going to give it away. I'm not, not going to drink anymore. So, just... And does that make you a better human when you don't drink? I don't think it I, – I was a, I was always a, a happy drinker, so yeah. I, I, I don't think it sort of had a negative effect on me in that sense. Uh, but it definitely had an effect on, you know, your, um, your ability to, to operate at a really high level you know, from an entrepreneur, you know, yeah, perspective. So that's really the that's uh, that was the, the the key motivation was you know if I'm really going to build this business into the it's already you know it's it's already a great business but if we're going to get this next level where I have a you know full time CEO and uh, and a CFO and all that sort of stuff and someone else is going to run it but me uh, we need to make it into something really really good so uh, i've got to have the time and energy to do that so that was the, that's the that was the why that's pretty awesome buddy what's next mate uh it's just uh, we've got a, a pretty solid year mapped out as far as uh bringing on new team members we, we've employed I think uh, five new people in the last six months, mm-hmm. and we've we've got uh, two significant new roles to fill in the next few months. Uh, and it's just you know, making sure I give them those people enough time so that, and the resources to succeed in those roles. So, so my my role this year is really is that is building that team. So I don't really have a day to day role as far as you know. I don't actually work with clients as far as their LinkedIn strategies anymore. We have amazing three coaches that do all that stuff um so so my role is really around yeah building that building out the final pieces of the puzzle of that team we've we've got that all mapped out and then and just making sure that they you know have what they need to succeed and then uh, you know the plan 2b or whatever it is uh for for 2022 from there mate it's exciting times for you ahead the fact that you got through covid the fact that you have um, done this challenge, that's pretty awesome. And from a um, mental point of view, which I'm massive on mental health, like it's got to be good for you doing that to clear your mind and, and sort of be truly focused on building that, um, which is exciting news. So, like, congratulations on that. That's something that you should be really proud of. Thanks, mate. Mate, and thanks so much for spending the, the afternoon with me. I really appreciate it. It's great to do this face-to-face as opposed to over Zoom. It's nice to actually have human contact again. It is. And, uh, mate, as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you thanks, very bud. much. Cheers, bud. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts, and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker. Uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.